have a favorite psalm? Do you have a favorite one that just stands out to you and, and just speaks to your soul so, so well? I know often for me, I just gravitate toward the Psalms that just express joy and elation and excitement and rejoicing in God and who God is and what God has done and all the wonderful things about his character and us and our relationship with God. Today's Psalm is not that. We're going to open up to Psalm 44. Today's Psalm, one of the great things about this whole book is that as well as the elation and the joy and the reverence and the awe of God, there are also psalms that pour out hearts in frustration, maybe anger, um, desiring justification or knowledge or um, just crying out to God. Today's psalm is emotive. Today's says, God, what's up? What's going on? So in Psalm 44, The first, what, eight, the first eight verses all talk about, God, you're great. So it says, we've heard with our ears, O God, and our fathers have told us what you did in their days of long ago. Like, we know who you are, God. We've we've heard the stories of who you are and with your hand what you've done and you've driven out nations and and planted our fathers. You you, um, did this by your sword. It even says in verse six, I don't trust in my bow. My sword does not bring me victory, but you, God, you give us victory over our enemies and you put our adverse adversaries to shame. So, so it's, it's saying like, we know who you are, God. We know that you are strong and you are mighty and it is your power and it is your strength that gives us any kind of victory in life. That's the first eight verses. There's a few more after that. I'm not going to read the whole chapter because it's a little bit longer. Um, There's a total of 26 verses. From verse 9 to 26, the writer here, the sons of Korah, they're they're the ones who wrote Psalm 44. For these next verses, they are confused. Their hearts are hurting and they don't know what's going on. They say in verse 9, but now you have rejected and humbled us. You no longer go out with our armies. You made us retreat before the enemy and our adversaries have plundered us. Have you ever felt in your life that you don't know what's going on, you don't know what's happening, but it feels like God is absent? It feels like he's no longer blessing your efforts or maybe something happened that's brought great suffering to you. You live any any length of time in this life and, and we all know that life isn't easy. There are wonderful times in life. There are such high highs when everything's going so well, your relationships are great, you love your job, your finances are going all well. And then there's times that feel so low and you don't understand what happened. There is suffering. Could be a health crisis, could be a loss of a loved one who died unexpectedly. Maybe you have financial troubles or you've been through financial troubles and the debts keep piling up. Maybe the job that you once loved, you no longer love or or you lost it suddenly. Perhaps your marriage that you loved so much is not going well or went through a season of not doing well. Maybe you look around and, and your friend's kids are all following Jesus and love him so much and yours 
seem to be making really bad decisions and all you can think is, where did I go wrong? Verse 9, where it says, now you've rejected and humbled us. There's a suffering that seems to be happening. And the, the verses keep going and, and it's, it sounds pretty bleak. Um, verse 15, my disgrace is before me all day long and my face is covered with shame. Verse 17 says, and all of this happened to us, though we had not forgotten you. We hadn't been false to your covenant. God, we were still faithful, basically. All this is going on and, and it doesn't make sense. I, I, I don't understand why. Verse 23, awake, O Lord, why do you sleep? Rouse yourself. Do not reject us forever. Why do you hide your face and forget our misery and oppression? I've been there where I've cried out to God and I've said, God, what are you doing? I don't get it. I followed you. I was obedient to you. I've, I've tried to make good decisions. I've tried to do. What are you doing and why? Where are you? Have you been there? You see, often in our suffering and in, in times that just don't make sense, often in that time, we first turn and we want to know why. God, why? What are you doing? What's up with this? How is there any good in this situation? I was being faithful. Why? 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 And sometimes God doesn't answer us. In fact, often, at least with me, I feel like God doesn't answer my why. So then I turn it. And instead of asking why, 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 I personally turn and I say, okay, I'm going to justify why I think you're, you've lost it. And often my justification, I say things like, God, I've been faithful. God, I thought this is what you asked me to do. God, did I miss the signs that, that I wasn't supposed to go in this direction? Or, or God, did I... Did I mess up big time in this relationship? I mean, I, I, I thought I was reading your word and doing what I was supposed to do. I, th I was doing the work, God. You know, Isaiah 64 says that our righteousness, all of our attempts to, to, to do, to be, to um, be wonderful and, and righteous, all of that, is like filthy rags. And filthy rags, these aren't the rags of like um, washing the car and they get dirty. These are filthy rags of menstrual rags. So if you have a gross mental picture right now, you should because it's gross. Filthy rags is our best attempts at righteousness on our own. That's what Isaiah says. And so as we approach God and we say, God, we, we did it. I, I did it. And I, I did the work. He's going, but it's your righteousness is filthy rags. You know, in Romans chapter nine, uh, there's the analogy of the potter with the clay. And, and that word picture, that, the, the picture of this, of this potter. Romans chapter nine says that, um, the potter gets to choose what the clay is going to be. The potter gets to choose how this clay is going to be used, what it is for. The clay doesn't get to turn to the potter and say, I don't want to be a pot. 
I want it to be a beautiful vase. I don't want to be cracked and need to be fixed. I, I, I want to be a plate. The clay doesn't get to say that. It's the potter who gets to say it. And in Romans chapter 9, it says, for the glory of the potter. When we look at a clay pot, we don't say, oh, that's such a beautiful pot and, and, um, and the, the, the clay designed itself so well. No, we go, wow, who was the artist here? Because I want some more of that artist's work because the artist makes really good work. So as we look at the why and try and justify and, and try and say, well, I, I thought it was supposed to go a different route in our suffering, it's not our story that's being written. It's God writing a story about himself for his glory and for his purposes. And friends, I don't want you to hear that I'm saying suffering doesn't hurt because it does. We saw it in Jesus Christ when he is praying and he is crying out to God, please let this, this cup pass from me, please. I know what, what is necessary and I know what I have to do, but please, Father, please, if there's any other way, let this pass. And yet Jesus says, but not my will, but yours, for your glory, for your story that you are writing, Father God, I will humble myself even if it means I have to suffer. That is sobering to me. That in the midst of suffering or knowing that suffering is coming or knowing that this world is broken and perhaps I'm going to have to deal with some suffering to humble myself and say, you know what, I'll do it if it means that through it you get the glory, even if I don't understand. So in the midst of our suffering, we look to the cross and we look at the example of Jesus Christ and say, okay, he's been through it. He knows it. He's, he has lost everything. He has been rejected. He has been tormented and crushed um, and bruised. And yet he did it knowing that God the Father had a story that was more important than his physical comfort. Can you hear that? God the Father has a story that is bigger than yours and mine, more than our physical comfort, more than our, our peace, more than all of that. He has a bigger story. And can we submit in humbleness in great humility, knowing that he's to be glorified. Second Corinthians uh, chapter 4, verse 8 says, We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. You see, Second Corinthians is saying, okay, bad things are going to happen. We're going to go through really, really hard times, but that's not the end. We're not destroyed. We're not in despair. We're not crushed because um, verse 16 says, therefore, we don't lose heart. Though outwardly we're wasting away, inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light 
and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, what is unseen is eternal. I don't say that lightly because um, I know that there is some suffering that feels like you're crushed. That feels like you're in such great despair and you can't rise out of it. You don't understand. The thing that I love about Psalms is Psalms gives us the open door, the example to cry out and tell it all to God. The sons of Korah in Psalm 44 didn't understand. They don't get any answers in that Psalm. They know who God is in his might and his power. They, they look around at their circumstances and they say, this doesn't make sense. I, I, where did I go wrong? Why, why is this happening? When God, you're powerful, why are you allowing this to happen? And in the end, they cry out and say, God, wake up. Where are you? They don't get the great answers and the great um, feel-good feeling at the end. But the rest of the Bible tells us that even when we don't have those answers, when we put our hope and our trust in an almighty God who has a bigger story, when Jesus puts his trust and his faith in humility, humbles himself to God the Father, he goes to the cross on our behalf and suffers brutally for us because he submits to the Father. And how much glory does God get because of that? So much glory for generation after generation after generation. God gets the glory through that suffering. Our troubles are momentary. And when we can fix our eyes on Jesus and when we can fix our eyes on on something far greater than ourselves, God will get the glory in the end. 1 Peter 5, uh, 10, verse 10 says, And the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. Suffering for a little while, we don't know for everyone that's going to be different. Some of us, our little while is the rest of our eternal lives. And then we get to live with him in glory forever. For some, it's, it's a few days. Some, it's a, it's a longer season of confusion, of suffering. But can I encourage you, my friends, can I greatly encourage you, fix your eyes, get your eyes fixed to where they need to be. God promises that his his peace surpasses all of our understanding and it guards our hearts and minds. And when we're going through relational, job, financial, um, family, physical suffering, whatever our suffering can be, Fix your eyes on Jesus. Find ways to give him the glory because he is writing a story. God the Father is writing a story far greater than we are. And if we can suffer in a little, for a little while so he gets even more glory, amen and amen. Let's pray. God, suffering hurts. And it, I so often want answers. 
so often want to justify my own behavior and, and question you in suffering. But God, in the end, this is your story that you're writing. So as my friends are listening today, I just pray, Lord, that you would meet them where they're at, that they would cry out to you in boldness as this psalm did, even without answers, that they would cry out and that you would meet them, that you would bring rest for their souls and bring them peace. And remember that in the end, you're you getting the glory and you continuing the story that you are writing is really the big picture that matters. And if we can be a part of that through our suffering, then praise Jesus, Lord. Amen. Mm-hmm.